So we have this new microphone today, which is kind of a big deal for us because it costs a bunch of money. Sorry, Steve. <laughs> we, we waited like six years uh, to buy this thing. So a little story before we start. Um, my favorite lavalier mic story is I was working with Moses Pillay. A few of you know Moses. Um, and he was preaching one day, and he left his microphone on, and the sound tech didn't mute. Oh, me. No, it was Yeah, sorry. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> it totally wasn't Dustin. Yeah, my bad. I pointed at you, which was totally the wrong thing to do right there. And so Moses goes into the bathroom, goes to the bathroom. And it's, it is broadcasting throughout the sanctuary, the narthex. Everybody was listening to him going, oh, it's so terrible. And he came back in and we're like, hey, Moses, uh, you know your mic is on. And he, it's a... All right. That's my story. Oh, poor guy. So he was, the reason I remember that story is because Dustin remembers it too, and he said, you better be careful when you <laughs> step out to go to the bathroom. I know, seriously. Yeah, right, if I keep pointing at you and blaming you for things that you have nothing to do with, right, eventually I'm in, I'm in trouble. All right. Today we're going to be talking about the, the different longings of the main kind of players in our passage. We're going to do this by looking at the destruction of foxes and the nurturing of hens. You'll get it. And then kind of finish, we're going to examine some of our own deepest longings. And we're going to look at the ways in which our longings either welcome or resist the love of Jesus. So here we go. Here's your big part, all right? What do you long for? Now, this can be fun stuff. Uh, it can be serious stuff. But what do you long for for yourself or for your family? What do you long for from our community? What do you long for for our nation, for our world? I'll start, right? I long to finish paying off college for my kids. Like, you have no idea how much I long for that day. It's coming. Um, But I have some really serious longings, too, but I just want to get this started. What do you long for? Anyone willing to throw something out here? Health. Health, yeah. That's a good one. So you get more serious there, right? What else? What do we long for? Sleep. Yeah, sleep. Good. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah, good. That one fits really well with today's today's text. What else? What do we long for? Anything else? What's that? Yeah, very good. Well, thank you, Sydney. I had another announcement. We're starting the hiking group again. Eric had a soccer tournament today, and we just talked about this last night. He said, let's start the hiking group two Sundays from now. Thank you so much. This is terrible because I'm just derailing myself again. Two Sundays from now, after worship, we're going to hike Sycamore Canyon Trail. People will be invited over to our house afterwards because we're going to start from our front door and go into the canyon. And I've been brewing homebrew beer. So uh, if anybody wants to risk and taste that afterwards, maybe I'll have you sign a waiver. Um, but Sydney, thank you so much for that because you just, you saved me. Eric would have been really mad at me. Any other longings? A decrease in violence. Good. Yeah. Good. See, those, some of these things fit in really nicely with today. We're going to explore, you know, Jesus's longings and how they connect. This is what I'd like us to be able to do. Hopefully we explore Jesus's longings and we say, how do they connect to the things that we long for, right? So let's pray. Let's invite God 
to speak through God's word. Loving God, may we open ourselves to the seed of wisdom that lies dormant in the reading of your word. May our hearts and minds and whole lives be fertile soil in which it may grow strong and true. Amen. Today is the second Sunday of Lent. Lent, we know, is this 40-day period that focuses our attention on the death and resurrection of Jesus. And church tradition teaches some really important things throughout history that we should practice not only giving things up for Lent. You hear me say this all the time, but I'm going to say it every week because I think it's valuable. Uh, We practice not only giving things up, but taking things on as well. And so we've kind of here in this, uh, this church, we kind of follow the ancient church, which urged people to take on things like fasting, Uh, and prayer and giving to the poor during Lent uh, as a way of participating in this as well. So Molly shared the difficult name that I'm not even going to try, The Scope. That's that's what I'm going to... I didn't, I didn't get the Google. <laughs> I didn't do that beforehand. Uh, but that's how we're participating collectively, too. So hopefully each of us... Is anybody giving things up? So I'm giving up Amazon Prime, all right? <laughs> so I've survived a week and a half. Shay, I think, is doing it with me. Um, I've done a week and a half. I haven't, I haven't done it yet. Six weeks. Whew. I'm not sure how I'm going to do, if I'm going to make it. I think I have a problem, <laughs> so this is not easy for me. Commodore, what are you giving up? Oh. Wow. That's as hard as, that's as, hard as mine. Anybody else giving anything up? Facebook. Facebook. All right. Anything else? All right, so hopefully we're taking things on as well. And if you don't have something that you're taking on individually, participate with us collectively in getting these two fancy scopes for Westminster Free Clinic. So that's what we're doing as a church to do this together as a community. Um, So each week in Lent, we're going to be looking at the kind of road that Jesus traveled to the cross. Um, And today we're looking at these three longings that come directly out of the text. And here they are. Herod longs for Jesus' death. Jesus longs to gather up and protect the people of Jerusalem. But the people of Jerusalem long to resist this protection. So these are the three longings that we're going to walk through, right? And hopefully this passage helps us to consider our own longings. Do we long to know and welcome Jesus? Do we resist it? Uh, Do we long for our community to be cities of peace and well-being? Uh, Or do the longings, do our dreams kind of tread upon the dreams of others? They're important. They're important questions that will kind of get Uh, stirred up here with this text. So we're going to keep these questions in mind as we hear from God's word today from Luke's gospel, chapter 13, verses 31 to 35. Here we go. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. He said to them, go and tell that fox for me, listen, I'm casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day, I finish my work. Yet today, tomorrow, and the next day, I must be on my way because it's impossible for a prophet to be killed away from Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you, and I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. The word of the Lord. And so Jesus' entire life journey and mission had him on this collision course with the city of Jerusalem. And so the scripture says that once Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem, he would never look away again. 
And so the incredible thing to note here is that Jesus had people, his people, the people of Jerusalem, the whole world, ultimately you and I, in mind as Jesus journeyed this really rather lonely road to the cross. And so the issue at hand in this text is rejection. And so physical pain is one thing, but the pain of rejection may be the worst kind of pain there is. This is where my mind went. I've actually never said this, Kate. You've never heard this before, sorry. Um, it reminds me of this seventh grade crush that I had on this girl, Brenna Howell, right? So nobody knows about this. This is going to be like my middle school confession, right? This girl was like super sweet. She was smart, a little kind of alternative. She lived on the other side of my neighborhood. Um, no matter how hard I tried, I tried for two years. No matter how hard I tried, this girl would not give me the time of day. She wouldn't speak to me. She wouldn't look at me. Nothing. Like, I even went to a middle school dance, and I hate dances, right? I mean, you have no idea how much I dislike dances. I went to a middle school dance to try to get this girl to dance with me. Um, She didn't. So for two straight years, this girl acts like I don't even exist. So it's like my prayer today is that this poor woman... (laughs) will not hear this middle school confession of mine. This would be super embarrassing. It's embarrassing enough to talk about it. Um, But the truth is that rejection hurts. We all have something like this. I mean, I'm kidding around and having some fun with something that happened a long time ago, but rejection hurts. And so middle school, like, you know, it's hard enough uh, on a good day, but rejection makes middle school really tough for kids. And so Jesus is longing, right? Jesus has longed uh, more than anything to be embraced by the city of Jerusalem. This is the longing of Christ. And that invitation, like mine with Brenna, would largely be rejected. Jesus is warned by some Pharisees that Herod wants to kill him. And so what we see in Scripture most of the time is the Pharisees get a bad rap, right? But in Luke's Gospel, the Pharisees actually uh, do some, some good things. And so mostly we see this negative depiction, but not here in Luke. There are some notable exceptions. And so the Pharisees, if you think through this logically, right, the Pharisees, they're not huge fans of Herod. Herod's seen as a little too cozy to their Roman oppressors. And so here the Pharisees do Jesus a solid. They warn him that this maniac wants to kill him. So you need to know just a couple things about Herod. Herod's grandfather was this skilled soldier and politician, this diplomat who had earned favor with Pompey and Julius Caesar. Um, And so he had earned Roman citizenship, and he got this post, the procurator of Judea. This post was passed on to his son, Herod the Great, um, Herod the Great was the guy who built, rebuilt the temple in Jerusalem, um, did all kinds of things. Uh, he was also known for his very harsh repression of anyone who opposed him, which included his own wife and some of his sons. And this is a maniac of a guy. One of his sons that he did not murder is Herod Antipas. This is the Herod that is ruling over Judea at the time of Jesus. This is the guy who wants Jesus dead. And so I was, look, I was kind of curious, like, why, why does he want Jesus dead? We really don't know, and the text doesn't say why. Uh, I kind of thought of two things. Uh, maybe he sees Jesus as the successor of John the Baptist. We remember what he did to John the Baptist, right? Um, or he simply just is not going to tolerate the threat of another king in his land. Either way, this maniac of a guy wants Jesus dead. What does Jesus do? He thumbs his nose at Herod's threats. He says he even has a message of contempt for Herod the fox, who'd been promoted to this position 
inherited by this thug life father of his, propped up by the Roman military. Now, the English idiom for fox, which is this cute and cuddly and clever, right? This is what we think of when we think of fox. But the Hebrew idiom uh, is not the same. And so the fox in the Hebrew scriptures is portrayed as a force of destruction. This is what Jesus has in mind, not the cute, cuddly, clever little fox that we think of. And so it made me think of, anyone ever read, there's a children's book, The Fox and the Little Red Hen? Has anyone ever heard that one? Right? The fox is walking along. He snatches up uh, this little red hen, and he puts it in his bag to take home to make some chicken soup. Um, And as they're walking back toward his house, the hen realizes that she has a pair of scissors conveniently in her pocket, right? Which is kind of cool. She's like a Girl Scout, super prepared. Um, She cuts a hole in the bag, slips out of the bag, drops a rock in there, and cleverly outsmarts uh, Mr. Smarty Pants, and it works, and she escapes the chopping block, right? And so here, we have this showdown that's set up like the children's book between the fox, Herod, and the hen. Herod the fox wants to kill Jesus the hen, but Jesus' message to the fox is he's not going to run and hide. He's not scared. Uh, he's not afraid. He's gonna, he says today and tomorrow, which is, you know, Bible speak for every day. That's what that means, right? When you see today and tomorrow, it just means every day. Uh, Jesus would be right out in the open. He's going to be about his work of healing uh, people that need deliverance. And so this work, the scripture says, is not going to be completed until the third day, the day always in scripture, a day uh, that's associated with the resurrection. And so no death threat by this second-rate tyrant is going to deter Jesus from accomplishing God's mission. I love this part. He's not scared. The fox eventually is going to get what he wants. He's going to get what he longed for, but the outcome would not even be close to what he expected. And so Jerusalem, this is like my my middle school mind works, right? Jerusalem, the Death Star, remember the tractor beam on the Death Star that drew the Millennium Falcon to it? Anybody remember that? No? Schmitty, I got one like, I know I got Schmitty back there. All right, two, thank you. This is where my mind went. It's like Jerusalem is like that tractor beam on the Death Star to Jesus, It's drawing Jesus. It's like this magnetic force. Uh, Jerusalem was also the seat of power. It's the place of kings and priests. It's the center of a nation. It was also the place where the temple's located. This touch point between heaven and earth, the place where the people of Jerusalem thought that God dwelled, right? And so here's where we connect with some of the longings that we said in here. Jerusalem actually means, I don't know if people know this, it means city of peace. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, right? It's a, it means city of peace or city of well-being. And so in this text, we've got this kind of ironic twist that Jerusalem will turn away from peace and instead turn toward the way of the fox, the way of destruction, the way of empire, the way of violence. And so one of the things we learn is that, of course, we know this about life, that any prophetic ministry that's done in the presence of the power of empire, look out. Like, empires don't tolerate uh, prophets who challenge their authority. They, don't, they didn't then, and they don't today. And so Jesus characterizes Jerusalem as this city that kills the prophets, as this city that stones people that God sends to it. And so at that moment, Jesus is still in Galilee, but he's headed toward Jerusalem. And so the text says, that's why it says, Jesus must be on his way. He's got to get to this rebellious city. And so the stage is set for conflict. Jesus longs to protect his people. 
He wants and still longs to be uh, welcomed and not rejected. And so the picture given is that of a mother hen gathering and protecting her chicks under her wing. So every single one of us has a mother, right? We all know the lengths that mothers will go to protect their children, do we not? Like, we don't, in our family, we call Katie Mama Bear, you know? And it's like, God help you if you mess with Mama Bear's cubs, right? Mild-mannered over there, look out. Like, but that's just life, right? This is just the way it works. And so I remember just like a week ago, my brother and I were talking about this, and we were reflecting on the self-sacrificial love of our own mother. We were just talking about this like a week ago. We don't normally talk about this stuff. I don't know how this came up, but it did. And it's like the stuff you don't think about much when you're younger. And as you get older, maybe you have kids of your own, you begin to understand, you begin to appreciate uh, the sacrifices that moms make for their kids, the ways that they place their children's lives ahead of their own. And so this is the imagery here used of Jesus. The fierce and protective love of a mother is the thing that's being attributed to Christ. So our house, for those of you that have seen it, it borders like thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of acres of open space. And so we have some crazy experiences with animals in our, in our yard. So here's one of them uh, that relates to this. A few years ago, one morning, I went back to tend to the vegetable garden. When I get to the vegetable garden, there's this tiny little crow, like this big, and he's caught in the garden netting. And so, like, you know, I'm like, all right, well, I gotta help this little thing get out of there. It was too small, it couldn't even fly, and it was tangled up in the netting, it couldn't get out of my garden enclosure. And so I went to untangle the crow. Mom was watching from a tree nearby. All right. She was keeping a good eye on me. And when I got within about five feet of her baby crow, Oh my, she started squawking at me like I've never heard. And then she attacked me, like dive bombing me over and over and over. Her claws, she's trying to rip my eyeballs out of my face. Like I've never experienced anything like this before in my life. Finally, I was so terrified, I had to go get a broom just to get close enough to the baby to free it. Okay? This mama crow, like I'm a lot bigger than the mama crow. She was not afraid of me. I had nothing on her, man. She was going to protect that baby crow uh, with her life. And so this happens, you know, over and over and over again. I finally freed the baby from the netting. It took about five days for this little baby crow to learn how to fly. For three days, every time I walked into the backyard, this mom dive-bombed me and attacked me. (laughs) And I mean, she would get right to my face, and I'd fend it off. I mean, if if I could have video of this, it would be amazing. On day four... She finally realizes I'm a friend, and she left me alone for two days. And then her and her baby, this is just a cool ending. It doesn't have anything to do with the sermon. Um, When the baby finally learned how to fly, which is another story for another sermon. I helped it a little bit. Um, Not for today. And when he finally learned how to fly, they sat for two days and flew a triangular route through my backyard as the baby. It was almost like a little thank you, which was kind of cool. We all, this is just, Intuitive, we understand this, that mothers of any species, they do not abandon those whom they love, period. It doesn't matter what baby does. Mothers do not abandon their young, even when they're not young anymore. This is one of the rare places in Scripture that highlights the feminine qualities of a mother and uses them to describe the nature and characteristics of God. 
This is a really important text for this reason right here alone. The feminine qualities of a mother are specifically attributed to Jesus. This is important. It really means something. Like a selfless mother, Jesus will, of course, lay down his life uh, for others in order to save them. And so, unfortunately, this city of Jerusalem has its own longings. As quickly as, like, on Palm Sunday, right, we know that they're going to welcome Jesus when he parades into the city. But by the trial, they've already turned, right? As quickly as they welcome him, they're going to turn on him. And so Jerusalem will not recognize Jesus' motherly compassion. Uh, They'll refuse the shelter that Jesus offers. It's kind of the strongest image so far in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, First, Luke's significance of of Jesus' death Uh, and what it would be about, that his death would somehow provide shelter and protection for those who find refuge there. And so due to the rejection, Jesus simply says, your house is left to you. He just says, like, look, all right, you're on your own. And this is not going to go well for Jerusalem. Historically, uh, just a couple decades later in AD 70, Rome leveled Jerusalem to the ground, right? Not one stone was left Upon another, as Jesus said in a different part of Scripture. And so, as my like seventh grade crush on this girl, Brenna, kind of represents a symbol of rejection for me, Jerusalem is Luke's symbol of rejection for Jesus. But even in the face of rejection, Jesus still longs for the same thing. The longing hasn't changed to gather up those who welcome him. And so, Jesus longs to be welcomed and longs for people to work for peace in the world. The longings haven't changed. He just wants to be seen for who he is. He just wants to be welcomed in. Um, And this is like the saddest part of this is that Jesus is lamenting over Jerusalem. Soon enough, we know, uh, those of us who know our scripture well, know that Jesus is going to weep over the city of Jerusalem. One of the two times in scripture that Jesus cries. Why? Why this lament? He weeps over this because the city of peace This city of Shalom has become a city of violence. And Jesus weeps over this. It's hard for him. And so, of course, the same question remains for us to reflect on. What do we long for? Come back to the same question. What do we long for for ourselves? What do we long for for our families, for our city, for our nation? What do we long for for this world that we live in? And how do these longings tie into Jesus' longings? Do they? How do our longings tread on the longings of others? These are kind of things that interested me when I studied this text. And the thing that I thought about was something that every one of us probably has thought about this week. This past week's story of the college admissions scandal, right? It highlights the lengths that people will go to impose their own longings and trample on the dreams of other people, right? Gaming the system in order to get what they want. It's like you think about this like a sickness, For every kid whose parents cheated their way into one of these prestigious universities, there was some deserving kid out there whose dream got crushed, right? Um, And it was all built, this like one of the really sad characteristics of the story is built on this fake charity that's supposed to help underprivileged kids. Like that is just like grotesque. And so it made me think like, do our longings promote peace and well-being for others, not just for ourselves? Do our longings promote peace and well-being for others, and do they welcome Jesus in? The passage caused me personally to think, uh, kind of pause and think about my own longings, 
the ways in which I personally choose self-sufficiency, the way that I choose to assert my own longings over the needs of others. And I think when we think through these things with some integrity, right, we can discover the ways in which we reject the nurturing care of Christ, just like the folks of Jerusalem uh, did 2,000 years ago. We discover the ways we just we get it wrong um, in care of kind of in favor of kind of like forging our own path that sometimes when we get it wrong trods on the dreams and longings of other people. And so Luke presents us with this opportunity today to kind of accept or reject the tender love and protection of God. We're offered this choice in the way that we choose to make our community a city of peace or a city of violence. And so for Jesus, we know that time is running out. This is the second week of Lent, right? So we know this time's getting short. The hour's almost at hand. And obedient to this vocation and mission, Jesus is going to press on. He's going to press on toward this great but rebellious city. And his intentions are clear. Like a mother hen, Jesus will again try to gather up his people. And even when they reject him, this is the gospel, even when they reject him when he arrives, he will choose to take the full force of the world's violence upon himself in order to redeem it. That's the good news. And this is the direction and the trajectory that Lent is taking us. Let's pray. Loving God, the image of a mother hen protecting her chicks reminds us that you held absolutely nothing back in order to save us. God, may we welcome you in, and may our longings tie so closely to yours that we work for our community to become a city of peace, a city of well-being for all. Amen.